I'm Kate. And I'm Ruby. And we are The Duality Project, and you're listening to The Self-Study Podcast. The Duality Project is empowerment from the inside. We seek to live life on purpose so that we can more intentionally and intimately show up in our relationships and our communities. With a healthier perspective on self-development, we offer the self-study program, self-study coaching, Heartland, the online community, the My Self-Study Practice guided workbook and journal, and this podcast to support you in bridging the gap between who you want to be and how you actually show up. Through exploration and awareness, you'll discover a deeper understanding of yourself to become happier, healthier, and more grounded. We're so glad you're here. <laughs> and we're so excited to share this episode with you because, Ruby... It's our first episode... And listeners... With a guest. <laughs> Yay for a guest. And I just like... God, I love that Taylor was our first guest. So our very first guest... Um, her name is Taylor Elise Morrison. You'll hear more about her in a little. Yeah. But we but had an awesome conversation. <laughs> we had a really incredible conversation with her about coaching as an industry, her uh, storyline through that, the businesses she's created, and really like, really sim. I really appreciated like the simple call to actions to both the people leading within the coaching industry and also those as clients or consumers within the coaching industry. So yeah, we're excited for you all to listen. But before we cut to the interview, a few housekeeping things. (laughs) It's like, what is our housekeeping? A few (laughs) housekeeping things. Join Heartland. I want to talk about Heartland because I feel like it has just, not I feel like, Heartland has been so impactful to me personally in my life. I was telling my therapist about it this week about how like she asked me, have you been doing any journaling lately? And while it has been top of mind that I want to be doing more of my like written journaling, like free form, I have not uh, created like a pocket of time for that consistently lately. And I kind of said that. And then I was like, wait a minute, rewind. It is unfair to say that I've been doing zero journaling because what we've been doing in Heartland is presence poems and also five beautiful things. I know, right? Mm -hmm. And also the five beautiful things every day for a month. And both of those are very incredible like journaling exercises that are a call to noticing and notating what is here and now and – the fact that we get to share it with each other and there's a little accountability and there's the fun and inspiration of like reading someone else's and the energy there. I just can't recommend it enough. (laughs) I 10 out of 10 recommend this, you know? Yeah. And I will echo what you're saying about like, like I have not been, I feel a lot of pressure in my life to, um, journal every day, to meditate every day, to exercise every day. There's like certain things for some reason that I have put on a pedestal of like, this is the right way to be in a self-study practice or to be, um, like, how could you possibly continue your, know, your personal evolution if you are not sitting down and meditating for six hours a day and then, you know, but like the freedom that heartfelt or that heartland, the heartfelt online community offers is like yeah like I'm in a space where I want to be like sharing stuff with people like I want to be like building community creating community like 
having these sweet, gentle little interactions with people. And Heartland is the place for that. And it feels lovely. And you're right. It is, a, it is, it's not the same as sitting down and writing in like your physical journal. And uh, it just reminds me, what were we talking about the other day that you were like, everything counts. Oh, everything counts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were reading the, um, Melanie Beattie. And talking about movement. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just talking about everything counts. Movement counts. Journaling counts. Writing something down. It's like, if you write it in your journal, great. If you write it in Heartland, great. If you write it on a napkin and then you throw the napkin away, it still counts and it still happens. Like, you don't have to have this, like, beautiful shelf full of your 800 journals, your, like, lifetime diary, you know, like, whatever. It all counts. It all counts. Yeah. And so... Anyway, Heartland is a place where you need to be. And like in addition to our monthly challenges, which give a place. I love the challenges because it's like, yes, the journals or like the presence poems or like the other things we have going on with the self-study program cohort. Um, I can remind myself to do that like once a week or a couple times a week. And that feels really good. I love the monthly challenges, though, because it reminds me every day that it's time to complete my challenge. Mm-hmm. And then and then I, I do it. And also, like, along the lines of everything counts, like, if I miss a day, I just do it the next morning about mm-hmm. the day before. And I'm like, cool, that gets to count. Totally, yes. I know. I've had a nice routine of doing it for the most part. I think we're on day 22. Is that right today? Of our 30-day presences and practice challenge. And for the most part, I think I've done it every single day at the same time. And so something for me that's been lovely is like, like the, I sometimes feel this pressure to like notice new, different, beautiful things to be like, I don't know, so that I'm not like just making the same reflection every day. And also reflecting on the way that the light comes through the windows in the room where I sit and have my coffee is something that just like, wow, it's incredible. And every day to sit down and notice that, yes, please. And you know, there's like something, there's like the layer in our brains that is like the noticing that we're noticing where we get like extra satisfaction out of it. So in addition to our monthly challenges, we also have quarterly workshops. And if you're listening on the day that this podcast drops, our next quarterly workshop is tomorrow. And it is called Heartfelt Scheduling. And we're going to talk about how to integrate your feelings and needs into your calendar, like for real, to take better care of yourself and create, honestly, it's like a, a life balance kind of activity. Truly. Um, the date of that is Tuesday, April the 11th. FYI. So something that like, uh, the reason, one of the reasons that I'm excited about this. Okay. Uh, in this conversation that you're about to listen to with Taylor, one thing we talk about is how is the way that coaching is a co-creative experience. And I love that she brought that in um, to this conversation and to the idea of coaching and like really named it. Like she was like, this is what it, this is a, what I believe it to be. And also like, this is what it's supposed to be. Like all this stuff about how your coach has to have all the same experience as you. Cause then they'll have the answers for you. It's like, that's not what we're doing here. Like we are doing a co-creative 
the answers maybe don't exist yet, but together we get to figure out what they might be. That's like what we do in coaching. And so like I have this client and she is so incredible. I love every single session that I have with her because partially I learn something from her every single time. And so a couple, maybe a couple months ago, we were in a session and basically we did this activity in the session that just like came up. Like it wasn't anything I've done with anyone else before. Um, it just like started, like the process of this started in this, in our session together. And like, she knows a lot about astrology. And so the way that she like is oriented to like her self-study practice is, has a lens of astrology, which she knows a lot about. And I don't know so much about. So like, it's, it's just so cool that we get to talk about it like that. And, and like in her area of expertise, basically. And so we started going like, okay, like, okay, something so I was, I started all of this by going like something that I'm getting present to is like all of the different ways in which I need to be taken care of, like by my, uh, by, not necessarily like by myself, but like, <laughs> you know, like I do need to clean and organize. Like that's certainly a part of a way that I need to be cared for. That helps me feel clear and ready. I also need downtime where there can be like fun and play and activity. And then I also need, um, to feel like I need to feel capable and like I've gotten something the fuck done and that I fucking crushed it. I love to feel like that. <laughs> and that like serves a part of me that, you know, like if I'm not getting that, then I just kind of feel like what's the point in me at all. There's also the part of me that needs to feel like focused and like clear and I like little meticulous activities that take a lot of my attention. And there are ways in which I get that through my work. Like for instance, editing the podcast. I actually really love doing that because I'm sitting there and I'm really doing something. And I'm noticing that like, it can't always be on screen time. So like I've been sewing these little pom-pom coasters, which maybe I'll send a picture to Ruby and you can post it on the internet for me, Ruby. <laughs> Because I'm not on social media right now. But anyway, so like what we did was like we kind of uncovered a lot of the ways that that like we're coming up for her in the moment of like, how do I need to be taken care of? And then I was like, okay, what day are you going to do that this week? And we created a whole schedule for her for the next like, we see each other like every other week. So it's like a two week, two weeks of like all of these different parts of her making sure that they were going to have time to get their needs met. And so that's what this is all about is like figuring out what you need and then making time for that to happen. And then what is available to you because of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you shared that with me and then I used a similar tactic with one of my coaching clients and she was getting ready to leave for like a big trip and had a lot of things to do that felt kind of mm -hmm. like scattered. And so we just like created a template and it wasn't just like, okay, these are the to-do lists. So like you have to get them done. It was like, okay, these are the things like taking up mm -hmm. mental space for you. And also though, you are also like really craving to like sit down and read a book one morning. So if you could get these 
three tasks done tomorrow afternoon, then the day after that, you could reserve the morning just for reading and have that mental Mm -hmm. space clear. So we did this like kind of like scheduling Tetris together and it helps to have someone to like bounce that off of and like re honestly to like reiterate that it's a good idea to 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 do that and take care of yourself in that way yes you should get to be able to read a book sometimes it's good for you it feels good and you feeling good is a good thing you know it's wild that like yeah we need those like permission slips and we need those like reminders that it's like it's a good thing to take care of the parts of you that um maybe your boss at your job would be like you don't need that Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, boss at my job, you don't get to choose whether or not reading a book for me is a good thing, you know, like, and then, and then that being said, like, we have these pieces of us inside that, like, that, like, you know, I don't know, those little voices that you learn from somebody else that maybe isn't even like your own self voice. It's like somebody else's voice that's going like, hey, this is a waste of your time. Like, you should be doing something else. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. And it's really hard to kind of be like, hey, thanks. I'm I'm actually still going to read a book. And so it's really helpful to do that with someone mm-hmm. else. And so, yeah, that's what the workshop is all about on Tuesday, April the 11th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can get in there by joining Heartland. First seven days are free. Um first 70s are yeah what I think is so cool about that also like I did that with my client and then gave her permission and requested that she update me and like it didn't go perfectly of course and I really got the sense that us setting it up like that and having the channel of communication still it felt so successful compared to feeling like everything is just like all over the place and I don't know where to start. And so second housekeeping for the day, very appropriate to our conversation with Taylor about coaching, is that you can join Kate or myself for self-study coaching. Kate, tell us what, like, tell us about self-study coaching and then, like, tell us specifically the kind of clients you're looking for. I would love to do that, Ruby. I would absolutely love to do that. And you know what? First of all, what I want to say to you, Ruby, is that I want to echo what I told you yesterday, but like something, Ruby is excellent with a list. And let me tell you, for those of you who are like, should I go into business with a partner? Should I do this by myself? Should I, should I do the, should I tell my friend how I feel or will that make them go away? Tell them how you feel, get yourself a business partner be, and then do the work to like be in partnership because I was always somebody who felt like, I don't know, like I can do this by myself or whatever. But like the way that Ruby, like uh, you like, it's like you tie up stray ends (laughs) and that is a skill that Ruby brings to our business together and therefore is a way in which she up levels things that I don't do well on my own. And so just like, thank you for the segue into this next episode. <laughs> thank you, Kate. So get you a business partner. Like, yes, it will be hard. There will be periods that will be hard and also it will be worth it. Um, and also, what if it's easy? What if it's fun? What if it's great? Because it 
could be. And also, whatever. You'll know from the, your insides. <laughs> we're gonna your insides will tell you. We're gonna have a whole podcast episode on this, y'all. Don't I don't know worry, we totally are. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. I want male clients, men. I want men to be my clients. I want more men as clients. I love working with women and I love that a lot of my clients right now are my similar age, you know, like we've got really similar stuff going on there. So there is such an element of like, wow, I truly relate to you. And, um, self-study coaching is a co-creative process that fosters yes and thinking. So it's like, yes, I need to get organized and I need to get cleaned in my home and I need to enjoy this beautiful fucking day outside. So how am I going to get both of those things, both of those needs Mm -hmm. met? Um, It's a beautiful co-creative process in like figuring those things out. It is the process of relationship development. And so what that means is like building a relationship with yourself um, and like, a friendly relationship, mm. you know, like one that is like, I'm friends with wow, you. Wow, that is and such so, a great distinction because, you know, we're we're in relationships with a lot of people and the quality of those relationships are on a, a spectrum, so to speak, or there's like a lot of variety in the quality. So thank you for differentiating that the relationship that we're cultivating with ourselves is a friendly relationship. Yeah, it's not a micromanaging relationship. It's not a boss relationship. It's not, it's, it's not even, uh, well, maybe this is a tricky one. It's not necessarily even like a parent relationship, although there is an element of parenting yourself. Anyways, but I also think we do that with our friends. You know, there's an element of the ways that we like nurture and love our friends, but we don't get stuck there. That is no good, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, okay. So, yeah, the reason that I, that, that I, and this has been like a long process for me of going like, I like feel this calling to be like, I want to be working with more men. And then, like, Yeah, I just, like, know this to be true. I feel excited about it. I feel energized by the idea of, like, I just don't feel like men are generally um, invited into this kind of work in the same way that women are. And I think um, a lot of that is a ways that, like, that the patriarchy harms men. Like, the patriarchy says to men, like, it's silly and frivolous to do journaling. It's silly and frivolous to talk about your feelings. Men aren't allowed to have feelings. Like men aren't allowed to have, uh, to like process their emotions and stuff or be sad or even like men don't even get to like, uh, be like healthily angry. And so then we get upset with men when they explode in anger. But then at the same time, like nobody was there to hold space for them when they were trying to just, say that they were angry, you know, like to express it in a healthy way. Um, So I just feel really tender towards that. And I feel tender towards the idea that like, um, there's so, there's so much, there's so many challenges 
for everybody. And men generally are not offered, or I don't want to say they're not offered because obviously the offering is there. Like we've been doing the self-study program going on three years and, and, you know, like, so the offering is there. Um, but like, I want there to be an explicit invitation. And so like my explicit invitation to you as a listener, as a man, is that I want to be your coach. I want, I believe in your capacity to build relationships and be part of creating a world that is just like magical and loving and kind and like fiercely powerful. I believe that you are part of this and I want to be in that work with you. I see you. I want to hold space for you. You can rage in my office and I won't be afraid of you. You can cry in front of me and I won't be afraid of you. You can hysterically crack up at something that you didn't even know that you thought was funny before we sat down together and you can laugh until you cry and I will not be afraid of you. I will not have judgments towards that sort of like emotion. Yeah, I want to do it. And if you're listening and you yourself don't fall into this category, send it to a man in your life. Give him the timestamp. Be like, scrub to this time. Turn it on. <laughs> listen close. And then hire Kate. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like to you who are listening, you're in relation. If, if you're not a man, you're in relationship with men. And like something that I certainly am longing for are closer, mm. more intimate relationships with the men in my life. And I imagine that you are too. And so like your self-study practice has probably offered you closer relationships with people. And it's really hard when you're in the work and there's someone who you love and you also need for them to be in the work because we can't do the work for other people in our lives. Like we can only do our own work. And so, yeah, if there's this longing for that in your life, A, you don't have to be in it alone because like me and Ruby are here and we would love to be in the work with your partner, your friends, your coworkers, whoever it is, um, because that weight shouldn't always have to be on you as a person in, in their life. And also, um... We all start where we start and consider that like men haven't had the explicit invitation often in a loving way. And so consider instead of saying this is something that you really need because I want you to do it, consider saying something like, This is an invitation. Consider simply sending the episode and being like, start at this timestamp. Kate has what you need. What? Yeah. Kate has an invitation for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, you know, as you already know, shaming people into the work doesn't work. It just doesn't. I've personally really tried it. (laughs) 
It doesn't work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it really doesn't. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And actually, like, I had a client this morning and I'm feeling like, oh, I really enjoy my coaching clients um, and am also open to taking a couple more. I really like to work with people who are on the brink of doing something really different for themselves, but like feeling stuck. So maybe it feels like something's coming or like there's like a desire, but it feels stuck because of the mundane of like what you're doing day to day or the trajectory that you have like set out and planned. And I really like working with people who are in that space of like, I'm starting to sense that there is something bigger for me or that there is like a big um, courageous action for me to take. I really enjoy working with people and holding that space to um, step both gently and fiercely in the direction of the courage. And yeah, if that's you, I'd love to hold your hand through that and be supportive in co-creating what the next adventure looks like for you. Yeah, and something that I really want to presence that you just spoke to is the way we enjoy our clients so much. Like, I enjoy it when clients come and all they do is cry. I enjoy it when clients come and we co-create something, like, amazing together. You know, like, I just, we enjoy this work and I can't emphasize how much we enjoy you. We enjoy you. We enjoy this kind of conversation. We enjoy your process. And so we'd love to do some one-on-one coaching with you. You can sign up at thedualityproject.com. The link to that will be in the show notes. Oh, perfect. And then you can take us Mm -hmm. directly to the coaching offerings. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, let's get into it with Taylor Elise Morrison. Well, hey, Taylor. Hi. (laughs) Taylor Elise Morrison is the CEO of Inner Workout, where she spends her days working towards a world without burnout. She's a sought-after international speaker and facilitator. You may have seen her talking about self-care in publications including Forbes, Entrepreneur, and The 30. Taylor is also an ICF ACC coach, a certified 200-hour yoga teacher, a certified meditation and mindfulness teacher, and a certified resilience practitioner. Taylor lives in Chicago with her husband, Matthew, her dog, Blue, and an ever-growing number of plants. Lovely. Taylor, we're so glad to have you here. If you could just, in your own words, tell us a little bit like how you got here and a short background about where coaching came into play. Your bio, but in your own words. Yeah. Um, How did I get here? I got here for a couple of reasons. One, I'm bad at self-care. So in our workout, a lot of what we talk about is the intersection of like self-care and mindfulness and personal development, all things that I'm not naturally good at. And as I have continued to be in this process of working on these things myself, I have... um, yeah, I, I've talked about it, and then people have been like, oh, yeah, I have similar problems, <laughs> and maybe we can totally. work together on it. Um, I think the other piece is, like, I've, I've always been really curious about people, how people work, how people work together. 
I studied in college human and organizational development with a focus in leadership and org effectiveness. And it was a lot of like, how do teams work together? And it, even to this day, this stuff is like stuff that I nerd out on. And I got lucky enough that I got to turn it into a career. I think for me, I first started being introduced to coaching in undergrad. And I remember like one of my professors was a coach and I was asking her like, can you recommend some books on coaching if I want to build that skill set? Because like paying all the money for, <laughs> for coach training in college was just like not feasible for me. But what I could do is like buy some books. Um, and then it continued to be something that was kind of on my radar. I earlier on in my career, so after I graduated, I worked at Allstate's headquarters in a leadership development program. That's when I really started building my facilitation skill set and was starting to get introduced to coaching concepts by way of facilitation. Um, and then eventually I started working more and more with organizations, started my own business, quit my full-time job. I'm doing like a very SparkNotes version. And... I felt like, okay, now is the time for me to get a coach certification. I felt really confident in my ability at a high level to do the skills of coaching, but I also knew because I do so much work with organizations, a lot of times they value having that credential and that certification. And so, totally. yeah, that's like the the overall story. Yes, those credentials that people like to look at. Yeah. We love it. Well, um, okay, so... The reason that we're so excited to have you here, um, so Taylor and I met each other through something called Gateway Coaching that Taylor started, and I am also recently going through the certification process also for the credentialing. Um, and so Taylor, uh, will you tell us about like, instead of me talking about Gateway, although I will say I've had a lovely experience with Gateway and I do love the clients that I have gotten through Gateway, so thank you. Um, but will you tell us about like, what was your initial... How did it start? What was your initial idea with Gateway? Yeah, so what happened was I was going through my coaching, and I guess I feel like I should back out a little bit, depending on where, how familiar people are with this. So for most coach trainings, you have to do a certain number of practice hours where you're practicing the skill of coaching because like reading about coaching only gets you so far. You get better by actually coaching people. And then there's the International Coaching Federation, ICF, they also have a certain number of hours that you need. Those hours, the majority of them have to be paid hours, and you can get your paid hours by bartering with other coaches or by people having paying you, whether it's like they're paying you a dollar or they're paying you your full rate. And what I noticed is that I was fortunate in that I had inner workout before I started going through my coach training. And so it was relatively easy for me to get practice clients because people already saw me as someone who could collaborate with them for their own personal development. But within my coaching program that I did, I saw a lot of people struggling to get clients and people who were like really talented coaches who I got to work with and we would exchange coaching sessions. They were struggling to get clients and I was like, I know people who once I raise my rates because I was doing pay what you can coaching to get some of my hours and I knew that once I raised my rates like what people could afford to pay wasn't what I would be charging but there were mm -hmm. people who were willing to charge a lower rate to get hours so the idea initially was to build a marketplace that 
made coaching more accessible by connecting people who maybe can't afford full coaching rates with coaches who are willing to charge less because they need hours. So that's how it started. I love that as a concept. And I think it's such a, yeah, such a visionary like pocket to offer coaching services in. Um, Something that's coming to mind and we can kind of like all discuss, but I'd love to hear your thought on it, Taylor, is I I wonder sometimes, and we're going to get into perception around and, I wonder sometimes about um, people's understanding of the definition of what it means to have a coach versus Mm -hmm. to have a therapist or some other mentor in their lives. So yeah, what does it mean to you to be a coach or to have a coach? What does coaching offer? This is, I mean, I think coaching is co-creation and partnership. Like you're working with your client. And what I think people get confused on is that they think that a coach tells you what to do. And a coach is like a consultant or a Mm -hmm. mentor who has the experience that you want to have and they tell you exactly what to do. But the magic of coaching is that it's not that, that you – are believing that the person you're working with has the answers and we're just creating a space where you can test and try and experiment and explore in ways that maybe you can't um, in other spaces. It's interesting because right now I work with both a coach and a therapist and I will I found that even the therapist that I work now tends to take more of a coaching approach. Whereas my previous therapist, she would often just like tell me things where it felt almost like she was making assumptions or projecting onto me. And because I was so steeped in the Mm -hmm. coaching world, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This feels really off to me. Um, So I personally respond really well to coaching and having people like ask me those questions that are still like, ooh, hitting me right in the heart, but we're finding the answers together and it's a little less like hierarchical. Mm, Yeah, I love that. That's often what I tell people to um, when they ask what we do coaching wise as self-study coaches. um, Often a distinction that I'll offer is that like your therapist may offer some like very gentle guidance And with a coach, we get to explore options together. And maybe even I offer some ideas that you might think not think of, but it's not telling you what to do. I love that you're uh, the phrase co-creation, the word co-creation to use with that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a great way to put it. Yeah, co-creation was one of our things that was in for 2023. And what was the out that went with co-creation? Probably hierarchies. I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Ew. Hierarchies are out. Co-creation is in. (laughs) I 100% agree. Bring us back to Gateway a little bit. So uh, something that I love about uh, Taylor as a founder and a CEO of this company and as someone who worked within this company is that Taylor would send us out looms. Were you sending them every month? Like a video recording of like, this is how this is going. Yeah. And I love that. I love like the transparency of it. I love, and also the co-creation of it. You know, it was very like, this is what I'm going through on my end. Let me know how it's going on your end. And so Taylor sent all of us coaches who were part of the platform, a loom in what, maybe February. Yeah, that sounds right. Or something. Okay. That was basically just like, Hey, we've, 
done a bunch of market research and here's what we found out that people people have these preconceived notions of what coaching is and taylor like will you tell us like what came up for you in that yeah so it was interesting because i got to do market research in two ways like for every coach that went on the platform i would ask people like what are the preconceived notions that you're hearing about coaching? So hearing it from other coaches mm-hmm. was consistently like people think that a coach is just supposed to tell them what to do or people are a little bit wary of coaches because – and this is probably something we could talk about more. It is unregulated, which in some ways I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have problems with that. Like I, I like that it is more accessible – for people who want to learn the skill set. What I don't like is that anyone can just Mm -hmm. call themselves a coach and perpetuate a lot of harm. Mm -hmm. And then those are the people who are out Mm -hmm. in front and everyone else is like getting Mm -hmm. lumped in with these people who aren't operating in integrity. So from the coach perspective, those were the things that I was hearing was like, people don't get what coaching is and people aren't sure if they trust coaches all the way. I will also say Mm -hmm. that I saw that echoed in how people were interacting with the platform itself, where people would maybe, I had these sessions called um, concierge, coach concierge sessions, where I would match people with the coach, and I'd talk to them about what they wanted, but it was still clear that it was like, ooh, I don't know if I can invest in this thing yet, or I don't know exactly what I'll get out of it. I also pulled up before we chatted. There's that, like, you got to sell me on it. Yeah. Was that like an energy, like, sell me on this thing? Yeah, it felt like, I mean, it's funny because as we're talking about this, I'm somewhat talking about it in the past tense because I know that gateway coaching as a platform isn't happening. I am easing into ideas of how this can still exist in the world and provide more accessibility to coaching. But something that I, yeah, I noticed is that for me to market gateway coaching, the 1.0, the marketplace concept of it, the marketing was essentially like educating people on what coaching was. And I was like, I did not realize Mm -hmm. that that's what I signed up for was to educate everyone on what coaching is. And if that's the case, is there a different way to go about this to still get to the same end goal? I also pulled up, I people were on a wait list, wait list to join Gateway Coaching. So I pulled up the survey responses to see what people said. And I asked people like, what were your biggest barriers to working with a coach? 89.8% of people said cost was the biggest barrier. People, about mm-hmm. 50% of people said it was hard to vet coaches, which gets back to the same thing. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know what a coach is and I don't know exactly what a coach how to know if a coach is a good coach or not um and then mm-hmm. the next two below that where people weren't sure where to find coaches and they 30 percent of people said that they were unclear of what the benefits were so like the spark notes for me is like there was just a lot of muddledness in what coaching was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally You know, something that you said earlier made me think about this in, like, the way that, 
Uh, okay, so when you were talking about like coaches having to get hours, and and I imagine that, I, and I'd love to hear what your experience is, and but you know, Ruby and I both are also yoga teachers, and so something that I noticed that happens in yoga yoga spaces often is that people get certified and there are a lot of certifying bodies. There's a lot of ways and places that are doing certifications. And then those really fresh new teachers have to get those hours. And so then often they're doing, they're teaching like free classes or whatever. And then also for people who are coming to those, it's like maybe because they maybe because they can't afford it or but also like kind of what I'm getting to is the way that like the industry devalues itself in that way because it's almost like mm-hmm. we're making like in an effort to make it accessible we're putting the people who are the freshest out to be the people who are accessed first mm-hmm. and it's like and I wonder if like is that what's creating this sort of like dis-ease distrust because it's like who hopefully you know it's like the first time you go see a doctor I hope that you get somebody really experienced who helps you feel safe who helps you go like this is what we're going to be doing here this is what this is going to be like but when you're when you're meeting a somebody on their very there it's the, your first day and it's their first day like how are how are we creating trust and then I wonder if that is part of like creating a lifelong distrust of yeah almost what i would consider a little bit to be the same same industry a little bit yeah i mean that's a really good point i uh, yeah that was like a mic drop moment i've been thinking about this so much because once i realized the platform wasn't working i did a loom video told all the people all the coaches who are the founding coaches on gateway coaching like basically the options are i find a new business model um i sell the business which i was looking into doing or i shut it down and one of the coaches came with like this other idea for a business model that i was really excited about at first and then what i realized and the reason i stopped was like i feel like this is devaluing coaching And what I worried about with the platform Mm -hmm. as well is that I didn't want it to be this Groupon scenario where I'm based in Chicago, Groupon is based in Chicago. Yeah. And like Groupon for a while did really well as a company, but if you talk to most of the practitioners, the businesses that were on Groupon, they weren't making that much money. It was not a good scenario for them. And I didn't want to create the Groupon of coaching. like the model that we're looking at potentially doing now has standards for the people who would qualify for this discounted coaching um, Mm -hmm. to make sure that it's not someone who could really afford to work with a coach, but for whatever reason doesn't think that it's worth it because coaching is a skill set. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's a skill set. It takes work we are investing time and effort and energy and money and getting better. And I want to be a part of people understanding the value of coaching. And I don't want to be a part of devaluing an industry, which, like you said, almost by design, there's a certain level of devaluation that is like baked into the system as it stands right now. 
And then also, you know, on top of that, um, I feel like just in our economic environment of American capitalism, as consumers, we are born and raised and trained to connect tangible outcomes with dollar value. So it makes a lot of sense to us, just put us all in the same pool, to like spend $100,000 on a truck, but not invest in the same way in ourselves if there's not some sort of credential or degree Mm -hmm. or like tangible thing that like gets us somewhere else in that way. And so like the conversation of value and coaching, right, which is like, the value come is like such an inherent value that as a client you gain over time mm-hmm. and it can't always be qualified, especially from a marketing perspective. Like how do you qualify? Cause you can't say like, I promise you'll get to take more vacations, but like if that's what that person wants, then like, yeah, you probably will through some coaching get to take more vacations. Mm-hmm. And just to build on that, something – when we were talking about like coaches who maybe aren't operating in integrity, I think that's where there can be this disconnect because most of the coaches that I know who are operating in integrity are not willing to say 100% guarantee you will take more vacations. That part. The scammy coaches that I know are willing to make these big grandiose claims that people buy into Mm -hmm. and then they're harmed and then everyone hates the whole industry. So I never made that connection until you said that. That breaks my heart, honestly. (laughs) Well, and the same, the same thing happens in fitness, you know, like, and, and with both of our backgrounds, like really being in fitness, it, the exact same thing happens. Like if you're a, yeah, you know, if if you if you can make these like grand claims as to what you can sell people, they'll get sucked into that thing. But the lie is is that you could never create that for that person in the first place. And so, but then you blame it on your client. So you shame them into like you're you're bad at willpower, which is why you didn't get any of the results that I promised you that you would get. So now you're even having to buy into this in a brand new cycle. And I sent Ruby there's like a um I forget the name of it, but I sent Ruby this long, uh, it's like this industry, it's all this data and it's this, uh, they like boil it's like it the down. the state of fitness or something. Yeah. It's like a bunch of fitness data and it's basically like, it's this PDF and I'm not even going to try to say this in like the most acceptable way that I can because it's this PDF of all these old white guys who are, who are like looking at the data of their tech companies that they run. They don't run wellness companies. They run tech companies. Like for instance, the one guy who owns Beachbody, like they're rebranding because they're learning that like Beachbody basically because they created the idea of a beach body. And now people are starting to realize 30 years later that we're disinterested in that because it's harmful, because it is harmful. So he created like a system of harm. And now through the data, not through relationships, he's learning that that's not what people want anymore. He's, there wasn't even any, any interest or like, Um, acknowledgement of like, I actually think that we might have caused a lot of harm. For instance, every woman that I know that is 
our age has had major eating disorder, body image, you know, like, and I'm like, Beachbody made that happen. You know, like y'all mailed out DVDs and cultivated this problem. And now to the audacity to put out something that like a, we're learning all this stuff and putting out the data to let us know that like, hey, we should be doing things a little bit differently because this, that's what the market wants. And I feel like coaching is going through like a similar of these like shifts. And a lot of these like tech companies are now going like, oh, there's actually ways in which we can be with our clients in a more like relational kind of way. But we're not, I feel like we're not doing the overhauling of being like, let's consider how people have been harmed through the process of coaching. Mm. I hear you saying that, like, yeah, I mean, it's a very human tendency, right, to just want to, like, fix the thing and move forward because it's like, oh, this isn't working now, this will work. And, like, what's missing is the uh, the deeper inner looking and acknowledgement to the relational quality, both with ourselves and with each other. And, you know, like, Kate and I like to talk about fitness, yoga, and wellness, like, all of these in this entities kind of fall into the same bucket industry even though they are like sub industries within it because I feel like it's like the people who are interested in um, coaching a lot of them overlap with people who are interested in fitness or yoga and it's kind of like a bigger bucket of industry Um, and so on the one hand right it's like great please let's all move in the right direction and get there together And as people who have been boots on the ground, like determined to be in our integrity and do it right, it's like, I just, if, yeah, yeah, can we just all catch on before that happened? Yeah. (laughs) I guess like something that I want as a 33 year old white woman of the years of fitness telling me that I needed to be like smaller and all this other stuff, there's like, I have like this longing for an apology from these guys kind of specifically. And I wonder like through the, through like your conversations and stuff, do you have a sense of like what sort of apology would anyone like from the coaching industry? That is a great question. And I feel like anything that I would share is speculation because I had I had far more one-on-one co- conversations with coaches than I did with individuals. Most of the feedback from individuals was through the survey and then I had like a handful of conversations with people one-on-one. What I will say even for the coach side like you mentioned getting a coaching certification is not inexpensive and I have mm-hmm. heard that for many programs, there's the support to help you be a good coach. There's less support to help you like start your coaching practice and get those initial clients. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there are people on the coaching side who maybe don't want an apology, but want some acknowledgement that like, hey, you sold me on like being a coach and making all this impact and for some programs making all this mm-hmm. money. And then it was like you gave me the skill set for one thing, but you didn't give me the skill set for everything else. So that's one apology mm-hmm. that might be in order. Um, for the people that I talk to most, I don't know that they would want an apology so much 
as like a sense of understanding or clearer expectations and communication from the coaching industry. Now, we might all follow. There's a few accounts on social media that talk about, especially more like the mindset, spiritual coaching, who like these people tend not to be people who have gone through any sort of coach training and are really selling like, you manifest this thing or like all all sorts of things that, and not to say that I have an issue with mindset work, but again, the way that they're talking about it tends to be a way that like perpetuates harm mm-hmm. and inequity. I think the people who spent hundreds or thousands of dollars with those people want their money back and want an apology for mm-hmm. like the ways that there was toxic positivity and all of those other things. The people that totally. I talked with, I don't know that they were even in a place where like they could spend that kind of money on that type of coach. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, something I hear you speaking to that feels present also is like, you you do a coaching program you get the credential and then you're out on your own as a coach and so like what you have identified and um, are working to speak to through gateway coaching as a concept is this idea too though that like there can be and it would be helpful for there to be still like a network or like a net of community that you maybe even experience in your training right because you're in a cohort with people but then on the other end of the training you're kind of just like independent and the way that the industry is set up is kind of like uh um designed to offer independence which is awesome and what we know about people in relationships is we do better when we have relationships. Mm -hmm. And so it can feel very maybe like lonely or misleading or ill-equipped or um, even just like a feeling of impossibility without the skill set of like, now I am actually a solopreneur. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I have this coaching credential, but then also I am starting a business. And so, yeah, just like the value of having networks within which we get to grow, communicate, learn, evolve, brainstorm, all Yeah, and like refer people. Like I I think of in my coach training, yeah. we have a community and people will be like, hey, I have a client who like wants to do this type of coaching. That's not my bag. Like, is there someone else who feels more experienced in that? And the opportunity to know that like, yeah, we can pass something on to someone else and like I don't need to – to feel so scarce about it because I do think that that's another conversation that we can have too is like it can be very easy to go into this mindset of scarcity in the coaching industry part of that is just like human nature and part of it is I, I want to say this was like a New York Times article but Kate what you were saying earlier made me think about it especially with core power yoga where like they a lot of their model is to get people through certification and then they think that they're going to be able to Mm -hmm. teach and then a lot of times they're sold on another Mm -hmm. training and then they still may only be able to teach like once a week if they get something to I don't even know if I can say to a lesser extent but like like you were saying before Kate there is this like getting everyone through certification flooding the market and then just leaving people off to wander and it's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that Ruby and I have been through in the past with like, um, so with like our self study program is like a challenge for us is that exactly what Ruby was talking to about like your hundred thousand dollars will buy a truck, but it won't. It won't. It's not the same as being like yeah, but after this you'll know how to take care of yourself. <sighs> like, like that and there were quite a few people in my coaching program who were like oh i'm kind of only here for like the personal development part of this and and so like i feel like a lot of people go through these like certifications they'll go through a program with the promise of the certification at the end because that's like the hundred thousand dollar truck you know like that says like at least i'm certified in something now so it's not just a waste of my money in and it's like but for yeah the value we put you know like where 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 we're willing to spend money and like what that means yeah i feel like we all like had a moment where we were like oof that felt really real yeah (laughs) ew (laughs) well and i was thinking about you taylor when i kind of asked the question about like what do you think we need an apology for and like um there's a really big part of me that i that uh, it's really easy for this part of me to stand up and go like, no, fuck this. Before we can move forward, I need an apology. I need for everybody to recognize this thing. And I think that one thing I do on a presence is like, it's actually bullshit that any of us don't know how to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that like all three of us, you know, have been driven into fitness, yoga, wellness, coaching, like because we kind of recognize like, wow, I actually have to do a lot of work to take care of myself and nobody has shown me all along how to do this. And now I do feel resentful of the idea that now I'm supposed to work hard and be able to pay somebody to help teach me how to take care of myself. There, I have this sense sometimes with coaches that like, I should already know how to do this. Mm, That is so, and I want an apology for that. Yeah, I, it does make me, I mean, like, when we Kate. think about the stuff that, like, we're taught in school that literally does not matter, and then, like, the programming that we, ha- yeah, ooh, this is, my mind is going in a million places right now where I'm like, yeah, there's, like, needs to be a fundamental, for a lot of reasons, overhaul of, like, how we approach education, how we teach kids to, like, engage with the world and engage with themselves, because a lot of things that like I've had to work through as an adult are things that I picked up as a kid in terms of like, oh yeah, just ignore myself or like you should just like hold it if you have to go to the bathroom because like learning this thing at this specific time that everyone else has determined is like more important than me responding to my body's need to go to the bathroom. So yeah, there's a lot there. And I also think the second piece that was coming up for me was around the especially the people who I tend to work with in my own coaching are, I call them like self-aware overachievers. They're the people who like could probably write their own self-help book. They've read everything. They know everything. You're like, yes, that's me. And yet they still need support with integration. I identify as a self-aware overachiever. And like, it took me a while to feel comfortable paying for a coach. One from like the financial perspective, but also like, I run a company on this. I should be fine. I should know everything. Mm-hmm. And it, there was like a mental hurdle that I had to go through to feel comfortable receiving support from someone. Mm. Yup, yeah. you are preaching. You know, 
<laughs> we like to say, um, like one of our things that we're all we always say in the duality project is we do it together as a reminder that we're not alone. And that really came from both of us individually doing the most to do it alone mm-hmm. and then thankfully finding each other. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Praise universe, you know, for bringing it together. What would we do? And there's, you know, and I think like something that I run out, I, I run into out in the world is like, I'll meet somebody new and, and when they find out that I'm a coach or that I do this kind of work with people, I can sense a little bit sometimes that people will put me on a pedestal a little bit uh, with this assumption that is like she's wiser than me or knows more than me or uh is better at this stuff than me and in my 20s I didn't recognize how harmful of a dynamic that was yes for the other person but also for me because then it's like uh when I'm in those, when I'm in a space of burnout, when I'm in, when I'm feeling depressed and like cannot use my tools that I have in my toolbox, to like get myself out of here. Like, and I have, you know, like you got to call on your people. And so there, and, and for me, like having, and then it feels like for the other person that I've like fallen out of graces of this like pedestal place that, you know, that like I've been on, but like that none of us, like that's a way in which we create these hierarchies between each other and that one of the tools in our tool belts should be can be to tell people what we're going through like to tell your friends you shouldn't fall off a pedestal when you have to tell your friends that you're having a hard time and so one thing i love that you are saying in like the world of coaching what coaching does is that it automatically depending on your coach and what they're capable of and and like what you've said about them being in their integrity is that it takes away the hierarchy and it put and it can put you into a place of co-creation if that's what's available and the coach has to know how to do that and are we being taught how to do that in schools or in our programs or what or through the credentialing bodies yeah i think it's so dependent on the program because even like as i was introduced interviewing coaches for gateway coaching or there's a thing called reciprocoach where you can get paired with other coaches and just getting exposed to all different types of programs and realizing like as much as programs can tell you like to ask questions or can tell you that the client is like creative resourceful and whole I would still experience people and I still like I still have this tendency sometimes in myself where like I will have an agenda I just had this earlier today where I was listening mm-hmm. to a voice note from a client and like they were saying something and it sparked something in me and I really wanted to respond with like why what they were saying was wrong and I was like whoa 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 like why am I putting so much of myself like that's something I can work out with my own coach I don't need to insert that into here but I do, I have experienced coaches who really will just see like this is how I would do it. And I'm going to ask you questions and use some of the coaching skills, but it's like a lawyer who's leading the witness. I see coaches doing that with clients. Oh my gosh. We talk about this. (laughs) I have a, there's a part of me, Taylor, that um, this is my whole like life shit. Like this is 
my family stuff, this is what I talk about in therapy, but I, I have a part and have been talking about in therapy, you know, like four years, but I have this part that is so attuned to that particular level of bullshit where it's like, uh, and I had a client the other day and I was really trying to get her to see that she was doing something because... I was like, this part of you is loving you so hard right now. Like, can you see that? And I was like asking her these questions and I asked her two of those like leading questions to try to get her where I wanted her to go, which was to like, oh my God, it's love, right? And then I was like, I had to stop myself in the middle of it because it felt so bad to me that I was doing that to her because when somebody starts doing that to me, it, Ruby's laughing because I'm really in this I'm really in this right now, (laughs) but like it, and my therapist today was like, how does that feel on the inside? And I was like, it feels like gears just like grinding. And it's just like everything I can do to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, how dare you do what you're doing? It's like manipulative. Mm -hmm. It feels manipulative and nasty. And it's hard for me to get out of that cycle of being like, you're being manipulative and nasty, but like, that's been my experience with a lot of coaches that there's like that. Is it like manipulation or is it like I know better than you or it almost feels like a sympathy versus empathy kind of thing? I want to say that, you know, like I think part of it comes from um, comes from the desire to nurture and the capacity to see potential not always, but I think like a lot of times that can be where it's coming from. And though the skill set for inquiry and curiosity is like at an immature place. And whether that's because they're not in their own work actively or they haven't integrated those skills in action. Um, and of, and of course, I'm sure that there are instances where someone's just manipulating or they want to get through the session or they just want to get you to the answer because they've decided it's right. And I think especially with coaching, a lot of it comes from a place of like, like you were even speaking to, like, I see, I see this nugget and I want to get you to that nugget because it's going to feel good for you. And it's going to feel good for me that I got you there. And like, we're getting somewhere together and like that, that can get, confused with co-creation that is so real and I I'm like do I want to share this I'll share this long term like this is probably decades down the road like eventually I'd like to have my own coach training and like as I've been going through all of my own experiences and I'll, I'll just like I have this massive notes document about it and something that I've been thinking about a lot, which I think is related to this conversation, is how for us as coaches, and this isn't an original thought, but the work of coaching is our inner work and can mirror our inner work if we're willing to allow it to do that. But I think for a lot of coaches, what happens is that coaching becomes a way for us to like feed our ego And we want that dynamic of, Mm -hmm. I am saving you, I am better than Mm -hmm. you, I am guiding you. Um, And most of us would not explicitly say those things. We might explicitly say, I'm helping you, but there's a lot of those like power dynamic things that, (laughs) and I'm not saying this as someone who is above it, I'm saying this as someone who has seen this in myself, 
And Mm -hmm. when I think coaching and facilitation is at its best, it is this constant reminder for me to like put my ego in its place. And there are the parts of the ego that are really useful that allow me to develop my own coaching style that one person will resonate with and another person might not resonate with, but it allows me to serve the people that I work with really well. But if my ego is not in its place, then it overtakes everything. And that's when I get to the place of wanting to be put on the pedestal and wanting to guide someone and push someone's process when that's not where I'm supposed to be as a coach. And I wonder, even as we, like in my training, I did Martha Beck's um, life coach training program. We talk so much about like how the client has the answers, et cetera, et cetera. But also a lot of the marketing for the program was about how there are people who are like here to help heal the world, which is really beautiful to feel like, yeah, through coaching, I can help heal the world. But it also is inherently then like putting this dynamic there that we talked about, like we talked about the Cartman triangle and the all of these things, but like even some of the marketing is perpetuating this dynamic. I could keep going, but I'm going to stop myself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ever (laughs) stop yourself on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And you know, that even like loops back around to the state of marketing in our culture. And it feels very shiny to be like, I get to help heal the world. Because we all want to have an, I really believe like we Mm. all want to have a a positive impact. We all want to like, do good at our core and so then to like touch on that is a very useful marketing tactic even though like you're speaking to uh it is not even like teached like Mm -hmm. teached it's not even taught in the program like that it is um just it's it's fascinating and it's really challenging to be in the work that we do uh within the system and framework of like what marketing looks like and it's something that Kate and I really struggle with in our work as a whole yeah god it feels like 50 percent of our conversation is like does our work align with also the work that we're having to do via the business which is sales marketing like the what we the work that we do is nothing without the people who are participating in it and so therefore how do we get people to, to participate in it in a way that we feel good about that also isn't perpetuating all the bullshit. It's really hard. And I'm like, I, even as I was saying that, like, I was like, I bet we could look on one of my sales pages and see something that is like, ooh, Taylor wouldn't talk about that, like in a coaching session, but like that is having some hierarchical dynamic or that is having some other type of thing. It's really hard. And I will say like, Sales and marketing as a coach, I mean, that's part of what I ran into with Gateway Coaching was like, there before I could even get to marketing specific coaches, there was just so much that needed to happen in terms of education. Like if we think of a sales funnel and like you have so many people who not only don't know what coaching is because that would almost be easier but have like a misguided notion of coaching that you have to correct and then educate and then move them through the rest of the funnel in a way that feels ethical well and it's like not only do you have to 
correct what they like what their perceived notion is but like there's also there's also the problem that you run into that is like they have a perceived notion because of other people out here who are teaching them that their perceived notion is accurate because of what they're seeing from these other people so it's like you can only re-educate to an extent without getting you know, if they're still seeing all this other stuff that that says like what you believe is true, then you can like then you can only like educate so so much of that out if they're still seeing this other stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. I will have this happen sometimes when like I'm in a business networking event and I have curated the people that I relate to business-wise so well that I'll forget that people have certain perspectives and it's really jarring because it's like, oh. Hello, all the time. <laughs> oh, we're still here. Like, we're you're still having these conversations. I stopped having these conversations a couple of years ago. Um, and totally, I bring that up because it's easy for me and I wonder if it's the same for you two to have curated a space where like I know when I talk to you about coaching we get what I'm talking about with coaching and so I think that the work that I did with Gateway both in talking to coaches and surveying potential clients was really empathy building to be like oh I've been immersed in this but I am seeing a very narrow perspective and most of the people are exposed to very different messaging than what I've allowed myself to be exposed to at this point because I used to be exposed to the same messaging as them, and then I started like unfollowing, blocking, etc. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I love what you're speaking to, also because um, in the self study practice, uh, we start with presence, and that is always like the noticing, like this is what's here, and then the second theme that we lead into is acceptance, which is this is the way that it is, and it's not the way that it has to be. And I think like what you're speaking to about what you're what you're speaking to reiterates, I think, like a part of the moving forward is like for those of us especially who um, are really good at what we do and believe in the integrity of the coaching industry and the wellness industries as a whole, that we that it's like important for us to stay tapped into that remembering that not everyone is is where we're at with it. And so then like part of the path forward is that like meeting people where they are, knowing that there is somewhere for them to get to if we're available when they're open to it. Mm-hmm. That was just a beautiful reminder. I'm like, yeah, soaking that in. It's something that we really have to circle back to over and over again, especially as a um, like business partner dynamic. And I know that in some of your other businesses, you have like partnerships. And so it's like, we are the echo chamber. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yes, we have like a network beyond that. And though like we work together all the time, we know the direction that we want our business to go. We know um, the work that we've done. And then to remember though, that like, not only are we educating like in our instance, like what a self-study practice is, but we are also like have starting at, on the ground, you know, of like, okay, 
have you considered that it's not normal to not feel good in your body? Have you considered what it feels like to be in your body or in your mind or in your life? And the reminder to have like you considered that you like, have a body? <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, totally. yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it is, I feel like for me, it feels like an important piece of staying in touch and in tune with the work that I want to do. Also, because like, we're all, you know, the three of us are all committed individuals to our own practices and development. And so that means that that's always going to be evolving. And the work that we do comes from the knowing about like where we came from, which is where so many people are. And there will always be plenty of people there to be met. I'm just nodding so much and like, yes, this is such a beautiful reminder because um, this is kind of an aside, but kind of related. I was like, as we're recording this, it's the beginning of April and it's a new quarter and I think it's going to be too much work tax paper wise to like officially change my fiscal year. But I just realized I was like, I really want to consider my year just starting in spring because that's like what makes sense nature wise Mm -hmm. and feeling so alive to possibility, but also having really honest conversations with myself about like, how do I want to structure coaching? How do I want to connect with people? What are the questions that people are asking that I'm most interested and qualified to help them find answers to, which are questions that I just think all of us Mm -hmm. as coaches and anyone in the wellness space really needs to be considering. And right now is just such a beautiful time to do that, to be like, okay, some of the stuff can fall away and here are the seeds that I'm planting and I'm committed to watering for the next season, the next year, the next however long. Mm-hmm. Have you recently planted a little seedling that you're watering right now, Taylor? Yeah, I think so. I'm always considering, like, what things do I want to share publicly? Um, y'all can get y'all. I would like to pause. I love that you share that you share <laughs> that you create distinctions between the things that you're willing to share publicly and the things that you're not. Yeah. So I'm always like, mm-hmm. ooh, do I want to share this? I don't think I'll share that yet. But there is a seed that is like going towards 2024 that I'm doing. I'm laying a lot of groundwork for this year and a good chunk of next year so that I will have the capacity to pursue and water that. Um, Something that I've been thinking a lot about is especially around accessibility. In what ways do I want to be accessible in my life and in my business? So something that I felt for a long time, especially as a black woman, was like, I'm creating this business. It needs to be accessible to everyone, which often meant that I was not considering myself or my own needs. And so to take the time to really determine like, okay, what are the free offerings in my business? How can I structure those in a way that is sustainable for me? Like we just switched the podcast to being seasonal and already like, our podcast numbers went up so much higher and like my energy and excitement around it 
really expanded when it wasn't this thing that I was doing every week for free and like, oh my gosh, does anyone even care about this? Um, Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, and then I just had my book. So I have Inner Workout the Company and Inner Workout the Book, and that just came out. And now it's like, okay, it's like, congratulations. Thank you. my copy will oh, be here so tomorrow. Exciting. Yay. Um, <laughs> and that like on Kindle is only $8 that people can have access to. And so I've been starting to pull back what I think I have to provide at what price points I need to provide it at and really hone in on like, these are the free things. These are the low cost things. And then these are the things that like, mm-hmm there has to be a premium for because it takes a lot of my time and effort and energy. And so I've been like planting seeds and rearranging my garden all at the same time. That's a beautiful process to go through. And also like also requires so much of like that inner workout from you basically of going like, cause how does self-care revolve around or how does your business revolve around you and therefore like your self-care and your access to self-care? Mm-hmm. Um, you're, what's, what it's bringing to mind is that I noticed that you talk a lot about lifestyle business ownership. And I know this is a shift from the coaching conversation a little bit. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about like what that means. Cause I feel like that's what you're speaking to creating for yourself is, um, a sustainable lifestyle of business ownership versus, what maybe we're more familiar with in like the hustle culture, so to speak. Absolutely. Um, So lifestyle business. So when I first started businesses, like there have been, I've always known I wanted to work for myself. There have been periods of time where I've thought of getting like venture capital or investment and talk to investors and like just creating something at venture scale is not what I want. And I don't like – that could be a whole other conversation. There's a lot that could be said about VC and just, like, the way that it's structured. And it's Mm -hmm. to me, it's, like, the epitome of, like, patriarchal, capitalistic, white supremacy, like, all in in an industry. Um, And I just – We have the money and we're going to decide if you can have some. Exactly. And, like, once you get the money – you need to spend it pretty quickly trying to grow as quickly as possible. And it doesn't actually matter in many cases if you're profitable, like basic business things. It's a lot of vanity metrics. My friend and my my business partner for Lifestyle Business League, which we'll talk about in a second, um, she talks about how it's like very phallic in nature because it's like you just always have to be growing up and to the right. And like that is like – And a lot of times it's on vanity (laughs) metrics. It's on like stupid stuff that really doesn't matter. But you're just like, this is the biggest number that I can make up. So we're like going to tell our investors how we're doing this thing that like doesn't actually relate to having a healthy business. So that I eventually realized wasn't interesting to me. Um, But owning a business is is very interesting to me. I like fairly recently got diagnosed with ADHD and I realized how so much of the life that I've built for myself was basically like a giant coping mechanism for how my brain worked that I didn't have like language to yep. express before. And a lifestyle business is really like in 
a foil, the antithesis of a venture-backed business in that they're businesses that are profitable, they're businesses that are sustainable, and it can sometimes be used as a slur where it's like, oh, it's just a lifestyle business. And it could be like a business that's doing multi million dollars a year. And it's like, oh, that little lifestyle business. Cute. Like, poor thing. Can't be a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, in most cases, like mm-hmm. having a business that is profitable. Excuse me? <laughs> um, at any level is like more than many venture-backed companies can say. Like you might have all these employees, but like, are you making money? What's your burn rate? Mm-hmm. Like, anyway, bring it back. So – my friend and I, Amelia, who's now my business partner, we just realized that like we were very aligned in the way that we thought about business, approached business, and a lot of the communities that we were in were either people who are very business savvy, but were more like the bro VC culture. So like they'd have really good insights, but then like the way that they're looking at <laughs> the world was a little like icky. Mm-hmm. Or we'd have these spaces that were for women or were really value-centric, but then their businesses weren't actually, like, functioning, Mm -hmm. and we were doing a lot of, like, giving. So we created the Lifestyle Business League as just, like, a gathering spot for businesses um, and business owners who want to create a lifestyle. Not all of us are looking for the exact same lifestyle. Like, one of the people, like takes a month off every year and like lives in the desert and that's like a thing that's really important to her and for other people the lifestyle is more that they get to like pursue things that are interesting to them without having a boss over them or some combination of things but I think that lifestyle business ownership I was just talking about this with someone about like living under capitalism and having a business and how that can or can't be a tool for like creating a different way of being. And in one hand, running a business is like the most capitalist thing that you can do. Like I'm making money by this thing that I've created. But on another hand, like I get to choose what it looks like and I get to choose not to per- mm-hmm. like perpetuate false urgency mm-hmm. Or these other things that I have experienced in working under other businesses. So in some ways, I think that running a business is a way that we can, like, create these portals, these fractals into, like, different ways of being. And that's so exciting to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I like to say that, you know, it's like we're playing the game but we get to play it by our own rules. And we talk a lot about nuance and that feels like a nuance space, you know, that it's like, okay, yes, the business operates within the capitalist framework because that's what business looks like. But I get to play it by my own rules. And there are plenty of people who want to support and also play it by the same rules. And those are my clients. And actually, wow, that feels so awesome to have an aligned business with aligned people showing up for that service or product and then there's just like so much room for expansion and growth in ways that um Mm -hmm. the vcs don't acknowledge totally well and there's also like multiple things that we've said throughout this conversation are like like One reason I feel like people devalue the work of coaching is because a lot of coaching is like emotional labor with someone else, which is what 
as society we perceive as like a woman's job and so then there's also like why should you get paid for it when this is what you're expected to do out in the world so there's like that aspect of it and then there's this sense with um i think i'm about to use the word lifestyle in a way that you're not using it in your business but I, it, it or in the name of your business and like will you kind of catch me on this and create the distinction as you see yeah. it but like um i there's a okay so for instance i went to an all-girls high school and um we had a brother school and the brother school uh, called our school Camp Catherine's because like we were the girlies were all just playing at school but like meanwhile the boys were working hard doing like whatever they were doing that is perceived to be like different than what we were doing in our schooling um, you know like playing sports instead of the girlies were just playing games but like also literally like multiples of the women went to like we had an Olympic track girl you know and it's like where were the boys oh busy playing it whatever my job whatever anyways and so my point is is like the way that we like don't take women seriously and like the work of women seriously when it comes to business and so there's this there's this like uh you know like lifestyle brands um are just like women just girlies just playing and you're like do you know that she makes multi-million dollars just playing do you know that she does that? But like, meanwhile, why why is your work more important just because you hate it? You know, just because it like, oh, that's so you know, bad. I don't know. Why is your shit more important than this person who's literally creating the life of their dreams? Why are you mad about that? There's, so I love that you brought this up because for a while, so there is like a lifestyle business, which is about, having something profitable that can grow and can sustain the lifestyle that you want, and a lifestyle brand, which at some points I used to describe Inner Workout as a lifestyle brand, which is like this brand that is selling a lifestyle. And for me, it was like a lifestyle and an outlook around self-care. I think that many times when we think of lifestyle brands, we think of like celebrity lifestyle brands. Mm-hmm. Um, like a goop. That one mind, was literally on my mind thing, too, but I but didn't the, want to say it out loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, goop has its own things even outside of being a lifestyle brand. Totally. But, but I, it is really interesting. I was just listening to a podcast where someone who wrote a book on mom influencers was talking about like the terminology of influencer and like how these women are essentially running media companies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, but they're just like these little influencers and LOL and influencers in the wild and all of this stuff, which like, sure, are there problems with influencer culture? Yeah. But also, like, what is the difference between what Gary Vee does and what like any of these mom influencers totally. does? But Gary Vee gets so respected. I mean, he has his haters, too. But generally, mom influencers are like, oh, cringe, mm-hmm. whatever they're trying too hard they and it's like why like it's just patriarchy mm-hmm. it's just patriarchy it's ex- it's an exhausting and like the way that we all like internalize that stuff like for me what you were speaking to wh- about like accessibility a big thing for me is like i do think that i have a skill in the world that i literally think that everybody else should be also better at because the world would be a better place if we were all better at 
talking to each other and listening to each other and holding space for each other. Like what we, these other three of us like bring to the world is a good thing. And we see that because we're in relationship with our clients. And so like, yeah. So like Ruby and I talk a lot about money and like, uh, uh, same thing. Like what are the tiers of this? What is accessible? What needs to be accessible? How accessible do we need to be? To whom? For why? Also, how do we make money and position ourselves as, um, like, there's a way in which you have to be able to, like, talk about yourself that other people are going to believe that you're good at your job. Instead of just being like, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm good at this. Uh, I don't know. Are you following? Well, and that... That if mm-hmm. you charge more, there is a perception that you must be better at what you do. Like, I think on a level, um, people make that connection. Or that you're more of an expert if totally you cost more money. Um, and not that that's like, that's not, it's just something to consider, right? Like, all of the layers of how are people perceiving what we do and how do we um, offer accessible work in a way that also supports our lifestyle business Mm -hmm. because our business is a lifestyle Mm -hmm. business for two people, for two. (laughs) Yeah, and that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think what you were saying, Ruby, and what Kate was saying is part of what I think can be really hard and part of why, like, with this broader conversation around coaching of acknowledging that it is work that deserves to be paid for and that it is a business that has expenses and the people who run it have expenses and need to be paid for their work. And going back to what we were saying, like in the very, very, very beginning, if we're devaluing the industry, then you get to the point where like people can't live off of the race to the bottom prices for coaching. I were what I'm try, what I've been trying to find for myself is the place where I feel really comfortable, where I am not undercharging, but I'm also not trying to be like what I'll call like the scam coaches mm-hmm. who are charging like a thousand dollars an hour. Maybe at one point my time will real seriously be that valuable where I'll just be like, that is the only time, but I am not there yet. I don't need to be charging a thousand dollars an hour and like making it seem like I'm going to change your life. And it's like, it's this really interesting place to be in where, in thinking for inner workout specifically, I have a sense of what people can and cannot afford. And so for a while, I was trying to like mold myself mm-hmm. and my one-on-one offerings or my group offerings into that. And now I'm just like, okay, so maybe if that's all they can afford, then that isn't something that I can consistently like give FaceTime to because my FaceTime is like my most valuable time. What else could I create that could meet them Mm -hmm. at that price point that could still be really, really valuable, but isn't the the type of interaction that maybe I would have been tempted to give in the past. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of, I mean, all of life is just like asking questions, noticing observation. That's why I think it's so valuable mm-hmm. to have coach training and facilitation training because it just fundamentally changes the way I engage with the world. Mm-hmm. 
It's in the questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there something that if you were speaking to current coaches or coaches in programs to become coaches um, and they're listening to this, what would, what do you want the coaches to know? Or like, what do you want them to take away from our conversation? Oh, so many things. I think the first thing is that the work that you do is valuable. And it's important to hear that. Like, I need to hear that sometimes. Sometimes I'm, I'm like, I'll forget that what I do is valuable. And then a client will be like, ooh, this was so useful mm-hmm. for me. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I do, I provide a service that's valuable. So anyone listening, reminding you of that. I'll also say that, like, you exist within an ecosystem. And we've kind of talked about that. But, like, you undercharging or like radically overcharging i'm not talking about like charging three hundred dollars an hour i'm talking about like a thousand dollars an hour or something like that that has an impact on the rest of the ecosystem and so just to be mindful of that like i think we can get so caught up in me getting my hours me doing this that we forget there's a broader impact on our actions. Um, And then the final piece I think I would want people to consider is like, how am I, how am I putting myself on a pedestal or how am I allowing myself to be put on a pedestal and how can I break some of that down either through my marketing or how I relate to people in sessions. And this, I feel like, is a reminder for myself, Mm -hmm. too. I feel like I'm constantly having to tell people, like, don't put me on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. I just burned myself out after I wrote a book on self-care. Like, I'm still learning. So I think those are my three key takeaways. And I was able to write the book because I have all of the experience going through burnout. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) And then... To go off of that or to speak to maybe uh, the other sector of listeners that are maybe like potential clients or even people who are a little sus about the industry of coaching, what would you, what do you want to let them know or what is it that you feel like you want them to take away from listening? Yeah. Um, If you're listening, I would say that like, the folks at the Duality Project are great coaches that are trustworthy. Um, And I think that if you hear, like if you kind of filter through what you heard, you heard standards for what you can be looking for in a coach. Like as you're doing your initial sessions, are you feeling more connected to yourself or are you feeling like you're putting the person on more of a pedestal? when you're looking through the sales, are people promising you like all your hopes and dreams will come true? Or are they saying you're going to get to know yourself more deeply and through that over time, you're going to be able to get to where you want to go. So I would encourage you to be like a little bit more curious or savvy about how you're vetting people. And hopefully you have a better sense of like what you can expect through coaching, what is going to be a supportive container for you, and what is the container that seems really shiny but is ultimately going to likely cause a lot of harm and disappointment for you. Mm-hmm. 
unfollow unfollow those people i've been off of social media for like three weeks and my life has never been better I love Thank that you. for you. You should listen to I know um, my business partner's podcast off the grid. Uh, we I know. I was um, about to okay. say. Hold on. You should listen to tell us her name and the name of the podcast because I started talking immediately when you said that. Yeah. You should listen to so my business partner, her name is Amelia Fruby, PhD. I always gotta throw on the PhD for her. Um, she owns a company called Softer Sounds and she has a podcast called Off the Grid, which is all about running your business without social media and it's really really good really transparent yeah i can't wait to listen to that and also like i feel like that is the thing that the universe brought to me to uh support me and because something that my my shit is all like you should be able to do this you should because of this is your job and it's like just like another reminder that like we do it together as a reminder that we are not alone exactly Mm -hmm. And it's like so possible to run a successful business, not on social media totally. at all. One of the projects my coach gave me when I was feeling iffy about social media was like, okay, I want you to look up like best-selling authors and see like best-selling authors who don't have a big social presence or aren't on social at all. And I was like, oh, actually a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like just because I've been in the self-help space and seen a lot of people posting all the time doesn't mean that that's the only way to get to where I want to go. And again, like that's the value of working with a coach, someone who can like see, okay, you're, you're having this assumption. Let's test that. Totally. Yeah. And what I hear you speaking to too, is like the way that like working with somebody else helps you like, that's like a, that like believing that the only way that we can exist successfully is being on social media. such like a narrow, like feels like you've got blinders on. It feels narrow. It feels small, but like what coaching, when it's co-creative, what it can offer is almost like a, like a release of the blinders, like the light coming back in, everything feeling more open and like more possibility is what that feels like to me. Mm-hmm. So liberating. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a couple more wrap-up questions, Taylor. You got it in Yep, I do. What does your current self-study practice look like? Yeah, right now it has been – I am experimenting with making paper. Um, And it's been – I've only done it once so far. I'm going to try again, I think, tomorrow night. And it's just been so interesting because it's like – artistic to a certain extent, but it's also learning something new. And I was experiencing the frustration of learning something new. And also like it takes a while for everything to dry. So I'm learning patience through it. Um, It's just been like a very beautiful and eventually the reason I started making paper is because I've been painting. So I eventually like want to make my own paper so that I can paint on it and have it be like I'm really, really into process art because it's a reminder for me to sit in the process. Um, But it's kind of hard. Like, I was so impatient when I was doing it on Saturday. I was like, can this paper be dry now? And no, it took like overnight and more hours. It was, but it's good. This is good for me. (laughs) I love that. There was a moment. (laughs) This is good. It's fine. I'm good. It's It's fine. Everything's fine. There was a moment last year, uh, I got married last year, and there was a moment that my husband was like, we could make the paper 
for our invitations because we had a really small ceremony and I like hand drew the invitations and I was like that's a lovely idea and then I looked up the process and I was like I don't think this is on our timeline for this <laughs> this event and we will circle back in the future to make our own paper <laughs> that was probably well, a very wise that. choice because totally. yeah it would have taken you quite a while and especially if you're already hand drawing everything else no buy the paper buy the paper the discernment of when to buy the paper and when to make the paper is part of our self-care practice i would say yeah and what is your favorite form of self-care right now moving my body i was just talking to my husband before this um i do workouts on obey which is kind of like a peloton but it's like mostly body weight stuff and there's this new instructor that i really like his the way that he teaches his classes and so it was just really fun I was doing like some weight training which is not something I typically do it and it was hard and I was just like being kind to myself in the moment and it was so good and my days are just better if I move my body first thing whether it's Mm -hmm. just like taking a walk or doing a more structured movement practice um yeah I really need it Mm. I resonate with that big time Ruby what are you feeling grateful for right now I feel grateful for, hmm, you know, Taylor, earlier you mentioned um, that, like, the life that you've created has been one that has met your brain where it's at, and I really resonate with that, and I feel very grateful for my cultivation of self-awareness and making powerful choices in my life that put me in places to continue in like the same trajectory and also learn more and more about what I need and what I can like go of. And so just like that comment that you made, like I said, it really resonated and I feel very grateful for a similar thing in my life um, that I really recognize that has brought me here. And I love that. What are you grateful for, Taylor? Yeah, I am grateful for just having a business. I was doing like my quarterly reflection and everything. And every month when I do, like I have kind of a money ritual that I do. Um, And oftentimes I'll text Amelia some insight from it after. But I've been trying to like ground into the fact that like I have a business that pays me and that continued to run for another month and that is something I never want to take for granted and it's so easy to get caught up in like Mm -hmm. it should have made more money or this thing should have happened but to be like oh no but like it still exists it's still here and it's impacting people I just never want to take that for granted and so I've been trying to really sit in that because otherwise my mind instantly goes to like improvements or criticism and the thing that I want to lead with in my business is the gratitude yeah um I'm feeling present and grateful to I know that we did talk a little bit about how important it is it is for like us as individuals within an industry to stay present to um like 
the bigger picture of what is the perception of our industry and what are people's experiences and, um, you know, even the people who are like the furthest away from our work, like what's their experience like? And I, and, and I believe that to be like a responsibility of, of us in the industry to like hold that with like reverence and, and in my own and like on behalf of myself, I also feel really grateful for the community of people that I have that um, feel like home. Like the people that I get to come back to, like the way we talked about, like, I don't have to explain this stuff to Ruby when I have a phone call with her. Like we're in it together the same way Taylor that I knew from having like our first phone call together. I was like, I like her, you know, like it's just like having that sense of, of, um, knowing who my people are like that, that inner knowing for myself and like the discernment of that, um, is something that like I'm practicing and building on and like that I'm practicing to trust Um, and so I am feeling really grateful for like the people who are the closest to me that I've, that that's been something that like I've hoped for and I've longed for. And when I can kind of like take a step back and look and see who those people are, how grateful I really am for the fact that like I've cultivated something that I only at one point only believed could exist, but hadn't truly experienced. That got me a little teary eyed because I... I feel like I could have given a similar gratitude. And like, as you were saying that, I was picturing the people in my own life. And it's like, whew, we are so like lucky to, to have mm-hmm. those kinds of people in our life. And also just like, like all of the pieces of all of our businesses is it's like, those people are part of the way that we take care of ourselves. Our communities are part of the way that we care for and with each other. Mm-hmm. And like, and you know, like part of my longing for the industry of coaching is that, um, there is more of a sense of reverence for the work that we do. And also that we're not all going out on these like solopreneur adventures. And instead we, we are like uplifting ourselves together as like an industry. And yeah, like something that I went into my, into my recent training hoping for was like more of us. And like, what's interesting is that I did find that in a few people for sure, as you do, but also more than that, like, it's like blossomed in a different way. You know, like Taylor, I wouldn't have met you if I hadn't go, got through that coaching, which meant I didn't need to get those extra hours to submit, you know? And so it's like in that way, um, I'm, yeah, I'm grateful that I know that how important a community is and that I have the skills and like longing to do that for myself. And also, I want for that to be built in to the way that we do things. May you be present to the support that is available to you in your own life. May you be curious about how people are speaking about coaching and if you are a coach how you are speaking about coaching and may you be willing to receive whether that is receiving support 
for receiving feedback or receiving rest. How did I do? <laughs> yeah. So and you good. Know I love also, it. Like, especially <laughs> I love, like, didn't you say, like, maybe you received this, but, like, that you said the willingness part. The willingness part is, like, so important. And I love that you said that. Yeah, because otherwise you receive, and and speaking from personal experience, otherwise you receive and you're like, oh, I feel bad about this, or I don't, I shouldn't need to receive this, and it's like, no, 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 we're willing to receive this, we are open to it, we are grateful for it. And I also feel like the willingness part takes out, like, the hierarchy of it, because, like, when you feel forced to receive it, then you, then you, like, then that's when you're like, oh, this other person, they are trying to help me, so I have to receive I owe them the reception I owe them. of this. What's the word I'm looking for? The receipt. The receival department. Receival? <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Taylor. Is there, like... Oh, my gosh. Thank you yeah. so much for Is your time and contribution. Like, I wanted us to get to this part, so probably we need a part two and three and five. Or, like, do you feel complete? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like we could just talk all of the time like i feel like this conversation is oh you finish what you're saying yeah i was gonna say like i feel like this specific conversation is complete but i also am like we could probably just keep riffing forever so i loved the overarching thing but like there were so many like we could have gone that way we this way and this way and this way yeah taylor please tell us and the listeners where we can find you and how we can support you. Oh, yeah. Um, So you can find me at innerworkout.co, not .com. Um, And there's a link to order the book right on the front page. There's also a link to our free take care assessment that measures your well-being across five dimensions. Uh, We talked a little shit about (laughs) Instagram. I am on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Inner Workout is on Instagram at Inner Workout. But the best way for you to stay connected is on the Inner Workout newsletter. And I have my own newsletter, The Process Report, where I talk about business and stuff. The Myself Study Practice gives you the skills and techniques to explore your feelings, identify your needs, set boundaries, and communicate clearly and compassionately so that who you want to be aligns with how you show up. Myself Study Practice offers a container for inquiry and self-discovery. It's a place for you to land. When you give yourself a framework for accountability, you open yourself to the possibilities that are awaiting you. The self-study program and one-on-one self-study coaching fosters autonomy, yes and thinking, and meaningful connection. We do it together as a reminder that we are not alone. We'll see you in Heartland. Thanks for being here. 